0: before
1: the crow Makes it sound twice, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, absolutely not. No way, Lord. Even if I have to die for you, I definitely won't. But then after Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that Peter followed him at a distance. And I'm here to tell you, if you look at your life and if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, when you look at when you've hit hard times, it's almost always it begins with following Jesus at a distance, not as closely as we used
0: to. Sliding away from a close relationship with Jesus is so easy to do. Just do nothing. You get busy with life. Maybe you start a relationship or get immersed in your vocation or school. And it's easy to skip a service. Then a second. Something else has replaced the time spent with your church family. Pastor Daniel is going to teach about the danger of losing contact with God It may not be as dramatic as Peter's was, but no less deadly to your soul. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 66 as he continues his message, We Must.
1: And brothers and sisters, that is such a healthy starting place for a vibrant life in Christ. It will blow your mind when you realize you will know God as much as you desire to. What I mean by that is this. God has disclosed himself to all of us in the person of Jesus. And every single one of us can fellowship with God and know God as much as we decide to pull up our seats to the table and say, God, I want to know you. God is the ultimate all-you-can-eat buffet. How many of you like those things? Yeah, I like them a little too much. Man, there was this all-you-can-eat buffet that I used to go to, and it would open up at 11. I'd be there at like 1045. And literally, I'd get there, and then it would open. I would just kind of browse. I was that guy. I'm going to plan my strategy of attack. And then I'd be there for like four hours. Just be sitting there talking, you know, because if you eat a little too much, just drink a little coffee and it all settles down. The caffeine does its work and you go in again for the next round. They would throw me out of that place. They're like, you've been here for four hours. I'm like, it says all you can eat. Doesn't have a time limit on it. I would have like series of meetings I'd have people just coming in like every hour. Have you eaten? not oh, haven't eaten yet? Let's break bread together, just hang out, it's so good. I bring this up and I'm having some fun with you, but the beauty is, is that you can know God as much as you want to because God wants you to know him. But you have to be willing in the midst of the busyness of life to pull up to the table. And one of the reasons we do not pull up to the table with God and say, God, will you tell me who you are and who I am and how I should live and what does this mean is because we have this false belief that we got this thing. I can do this myself. And I'm here to tell you, There's a lot of things we can do, but we can't live the abundant life by ourselves. The abundant life is a gift that comes from God for us. It says it this way in Psalm 40, verses 16 and 17. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me, you are my help. And my deliverer, do not delay, oh my God. I love that. I'm poor and needy. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, the very first one, blessed are the poor and what? Spirit. When was the last time you said, God, I need you? God, I've done a lot of things in my own strength, but Lord, I want your strength. I want to know you. We need to know our need. Because... We can't do it alone and we weren't created to. God wants to be our God. He wants us to know him and to walk with him and let him help us see ourselves in the world as it is. Now, from there, look at what happens next in Psalm 63. I'll pick back up in verse two. It says, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Then I will bless you while I live. And I will lift up my hands to your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. My friends, we must worship fervently it almost seems like a paradox we must know our need and then we must worship fervently see this is the great change that happens for those of us who have put our faith and trust in jesus now i realize here at Crossroads, not everyone here is a follower of jesus and if you're here exploring trying to figure out what you believe spiritually i want to let you know we are so happy you're here and this is a great place to be learning and growing But the great change that happens when you put your faith and trust in Jesus is first, you can live your life acknowledging that I need God. And then, because you acknowledge your need for God, then once you are in relationship with God, then we spend our lives worshiping God, praising God. We spend our lives letting our souls rejoice in the presence of God. And David explains this so beautifully. He's saying, I looked for you in the sanctuary. I wanted to see, God, your power and your glory and your loving kindness. Now that word loving kindness literally means God's covenant faithfulness. Because of who God is, God's faithfulness to the promises that he's made, your loving kindness is better than that. And because of your power and your glory and your loving kindness, my lips will praise you. And I'll bless you while I'm here. While I'm alive, I live to bless the Lord. I lift up my hands in your name and I praise you with my mouth. See, we need to worship fervently. Why? Because all of us are hardwired to worship. And if you and I do not worship the true and living God, we will always find other avenues for that worship. But when you worship anything or anyone that is not the Lord... It's idolatry, and our souls get shaped by what we worship. It's why so easy for us to find other things that are the passion of our lives. Like, I was just talking to someone a couple months back, and they're like, man, yeah, I can't remember Scripture. I can't memorize Scripture. But then we started talking about sports, and they knew every stat. (laughs) Like, literally, I, I definitely can't memorize Scripture, but literally, they were telling me stats from, like, 10 years ago. And I was just like... I even said, I'm like, so hey, listen, just so you know, you don't have a memorization problem, you have a passion problem. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. Love your favorite sports teams. Memorize the stats, but make sure that you have that same passion for Jesus. In the absence of a heart that is passionate for God, we will develop other passions, It's why today, listen, I'll be honest with you. People are like, man, I don't have any time to read my Bible, but they know every new political conspiracy that's coming down the pipe. I'm like, oh, no, no, you have a lot. You're reading a lot. You're just not reading the word of life. You see what I'm talking about here? And so we're going to worship no matter what. Now, I'm here to tell you, love your spouses, but don't worship them. Love your kids, but don't worship them. Love your job, but don't worship it. Love your entertainment, but don't worship it. See, when we worship Jesus, then we can enjoy all of these things for what they are. But what we end up doing is without a fervent worship of the Lord, we will take that worship and place it in other places. And that is a problem. Because then our souls get diminished by whatever is the object of its supreme affection. We're shaped by what we worship. And I love this because David is a passionate and a fervent worshiper. How do you remember the story about David when they got the Ark of the Covenant and they were bringing it into Jerusalem? Anybody know that story? Where the Ark of the Covenant is coming in and David is like dancing like, let's say it this way, he was letting his freak flag fly for Jesus. He was dancing. Now this is the king. And the Ark of the Covenant is coming in and he is just getting it on. He's like, have you ever been to a silent rave before? Anybody ever seen those? I went to one of these, it's so crazy. You go to a club and there's music on and everyone's dancing. But then they have these things now because there's noise ordinance problems. So they give everyone headphones. And not everyone's listening to the same music but everyone's got their own headphones on and so everyone and so if you're there without your headphones on it is totally nuts cuz everyone's got like their own like groove going on it's, you know everyone's got their own thing but you can't hear what they're listening to and in some ways that's what David was doing he was so excited that the ark of the covenant was coming into Jerusalem that he was just losing it and then he saw his wife king Saul's daughter and she's like oh yeah the king making a spectacle making the family name lousy. And David was great. He's like, man, I'm going to be more undignified than that. Because David was not worried about what everyone thought. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, listen, nobody will bother you at all if you worship sports. Nobody will bother you at all if every one of your posts on Facebook is about politics. But right as you fall deeply in love with Jesus and you worship him fervently, now everyone's got a problem with you, even Christians. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, we are hardwired to worship And not just worship passively, but fervently, why? Because it solves the sin of apathy. Have you ever heard it said that the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy? When you're really indifferent to the whole thing, that is the absence of love. That's why I always, when I meet couples and if they're struggling, when they stop fighting, I always get nervous. Now I'm not saying we should fight, but I'm saying when it's just like you just kind of blow it off, like, well, that's just who they are. When you don't care enough about it to argue about it anymore, let me qualify that because I don't want everyone at home like, yeah, that's why we fight all the time. Sometimes we fight about things we shouldn't fight about, okay? We fight about preferences and all these things. But when we don't care enough to be passionate for it, that apathy denotes a lack of love. And brothers and sisters, we want to be people who worship fervently. Notice here it says that that's why we lift our hands in the sanctuary. That's one thing I love about Crossroads. Everyone's on a different step of their faith journey, And I was talking to someone who was brand new, they'd never been to a church before, and they're like, okay, so I totally don't get. When we're singing, why do people raise their hands? It's totally weird. I'm like, it's actually not weird. I'm like, do you like sports? Yeah, I love sports. What happens when your favorite team scores a run, gets a touchdown, scores a goal? They're like, we clap and raise our hands. I'm like, why? Because we're happy, and I'm like, there you go. So brothers and sisters, listen, worship is not only when we gather together in the sanctuary, but there is something special when you're worshiping with your family. But we want to be the kind of people, my prayer is that when you're reading your Bible, you just find yourself just being like, oh God, like just raising your hands to the Lord, that when you're in your car and you're having a holy moment because God is speaking to you, or you're remembering so great a salvation that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he took your sins and your transgressions and they separate as far as you as the east is from the west, that you would stop and be like, oh Lord, you are good. That we would be the kind of people who we spend time worshiping God, and we worship Him fervently, with passion. Listen to how it's explained in First Chronicles, chapter 16, verses 23 to 31. To sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples, for the Lord is great and he's greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the people, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. And let all say among the nations, the Lord reigns. You can feel that, right? Like you're reading it and you're just, you feel yourself getting caught up in the passion of what's being expressed. And brothers and sisters, listen. When you are worshiping the Lord fervently, you talk about joy, You talk about a peace that surpasses all understanding, and one of the things I'm always learning, I'm encouraging people, we need to worship in every situation. We need to learn how to say, God, I don't understand this, I don't like this, I don't enjoy this, but you are God. And we wanna be those people who worship fervently, because David is sharing it with us. He's like, listen, my soul shall be, I love this, my soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. Now, marrow and fatness is old school words for abundance. That's what it means. So he's like, man, my soul is satisfied in who the Lord is. And because of that, my mouth is going to praise him with joyful lips. Then notice what it says next. Going on, verse 6, Psalm 63. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you, your right hand upholds me. Now, I love this because, my friends, we must follow close. I get that from my soul. See that in verse 8? My soul follows close behind you. We must follow close. Why? Because following close battles the sin of compromise. Now, I'm talking about compromise in the sense of where we compromise our faith and our values for other things. And the classic example of this, biblically, I believe, is Peter, before he denied Jesus. Now, I get this from Matthew chapter 26, verse 58. It says, but Peter followed him, speaking of Jesus, at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and he sat with the servants to see the end. And you know what happens is Jesus had told Peter, hey, listen, before the crow makes it sound twice, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, absolutely not. No way, Lord. Even if I have to die for you, I definitely won't. But then after Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that Peter followed him at a distance. And I'm here to tell you, if you look at your life and if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, when you look at when you've hit hard times, it's almost always it begins with following Jesus at a distance not as closely as we used to. And brothers, says, listen, we need to follow closely. Because I have kids, all the movies that come out, how many of you have seen the Croods movie? Do you know the Croods? Okay, all the parents are like, yes, yes, I've seen it. The grandparents are like, yes, I've seen this. Well, there's this beautiful scene in the Croods movie where I think it's the second, maybe it's the second Croods movie, I can't remember. My brain is mushed from raising kids. But there's a scene where this family, who are the crudes and they're, like, cave people, they meet, like, a more domesticated people of the same generation. And everyone has their own room. But for the Croods, they all sleep. It's like a sleeping lob. They all sleep on top of each other. It was really weird. And then they all had their own room, and they couldn't sleep and everything. But in some ways, if you have kids, you realize that you ever walk, like, with your kids? And don't they always, like, step on your heels or they sandal you and all that stuff? Why? Because kids have mastered the art of wanting to be extra close. I just had this the other day with my kids. I'm like, why are we on top of each other? Like, there's a whole room here. Everyone's like, we're all together. And I'm giving them a hard time, but I actually love the fact that they're all over me. I love it. Now, I know some of you parents are like, I don't love it. I want a break. I want a babysitter. Kids get this idea of following close, like almost too close. But I think what goes on is we need to kind of master that art again as it relates to following Jesus. Because what happens if we do not follow it closely and we follow it at a distance, compromise is right around the corner. And I'm going to tell you that as someone who's been around the block in more ways than I would love to admit, what I realize is that compromise always begins with small, soft choices. And then it leads to much bigger, more egregious problems. And if you find yourself here today, and you're like, man, I've been following at a distance. By the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus for the first time, or recommit your life to Jesus. And I want to encourage you, make the commitment to follow Jesus, not at a distance, but closely. Because David's saying, my own soul is going to follow close behind you because your right hand, you're upholding me. And I love this because David's saying, listen, when I'm going to sleep at night, I meditate upon who you are, Lord. See, David, his world is being changed. His perspective is being impacted by the reality of who the Lord is. And he's like, man, when I go to bed, I'm meditating on who you are. And that word meditation in the Hebrew language is not, when we think of meditation, we think of the Eastern style, but it literally means to chew on something to get all of the nourishment out of it. Hebrew meditation, when they would meditate on the word of God, they would memorize it, and they would repeat it to themselves over and over and over again. It was almost like a little hum sound that they would be chewing on the word of God. So it's not, when he says I am meditating, he's not saying I clear out my mind of everything so I have no mind and no thinking and all this stuff. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, I actually want my mind consumed with you, God. I want all of my thoughts to be with the mind of Christ, God. And so David is there, and he's saying, and because, God, you have helped me, I'm going to rejoice in the shadow of your wings. See, David realized he's completely protected by God. That's what the shadow of your wings were. It's like a mother hand, a mother bird in a time of issue. They would take their chicks, and they would hide them under there. And the mother would literally protect their children that way. And David's saying, God, that's who you are and that's what you've done for me. And he's like, and because of that, my soul is gonna follow closely after you. Look at what happens next, verse nine. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword and they shall be a portion for jackals. What does this teach us? My friends, this teaches us that in the journey of life, we must trust in adversity. We must trust in adversity. See, David is very aware. Even though he's fled for his life, there's a rebellion against his rule from his own son. Some of his generals were involved, like people who he had fought battles with and who had served him. He's saying, but Lord, but those who seek my life to destroy it, they're gonna have their day. They're gonna go down to the lowest parts of the earth They're going to fall by the sword, and they're going to be a portion for jackals. That idea of being a portion for jackals literally means that they're going to be, you know, uh, eaten by those scavengers. So David is trusting God in times of adversity. And what does this do for us? Well, of course, it battles the sin of despair. When we're in adversity, when the temperature around us has turned up, we get to see what's really in our hearts, and I'll just be honest. When the temperatures turn up for me, I don't really like what I see, because oftentimes I catch myself not trusting the Lord, but hoping for deliverance from other places. And God wants us not to despair, but when things are hard, we need to trust. The Apostle Paul speaks about this. 2 Corinthians chapter four, verses eight to eleven. He says, "We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair." We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. For is I don't know what you're going through right now, But I do know that the Lord is trustworthy in your adversity. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe there's issues in the family. Maybe you're just feeling really lonely. Maybe there's mental health struggles. Maybe someone you love is just breaking your heart, shipwrecking their lives. What I do know is that the power of God in the midst of adversity, what I do know Is that the anchor of the strength of the Almighty will hold us in the most horrendous storms? What I do know is that when everyone else is faithless, including us, he is faithful.
0: Jesus is real. Man, what an encouragement to know to actually be able to know that when you're down and out at your lowest, that God's only a breath away. David said it, Jesus promised it. And when they said it, it wasn't wishful thinking, but what they said was based on the reality of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness, as Pastor Daniel reminded you today, can be yours. All you need to do is ask for it. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize
1: that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my
0: team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Well, this message wraps up Pastor Daniel's teaching series, On Demand. We hope that it has encouraged you to think about God if you don't know him or to begin to work to deepen your relationship with God if you're already a follower of Jesus. No matter your spiritual station, God knows you and he wants you to get to know him better. Thank you for sharing your time with us and our diving into the word of God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.